independence is no bad thing, as long as you and Asher find the right balance. Totes. There's much to be said for taking things slowly. Exactly. And that means I can hold a fort for you while you grab an early dart and meet Nigel. Oh, that's very kind. I shall meet him at the library. Well, that's sorted then. Winner, winner. Do I have to? Winner, winner. Chicken dinner. <laughs> Welcome to episode 144 of the Talk of the Street, an unofficial Cornish Street Catcher podcast that's starting to feel just a little remorseful for starting that Team Simon the Meters on Twitter. I'm Gavin. And I'm married to someone who thinks all bears are men in suits. Panda bears, definitely. <laughs> and that bear that's eating the bread on Twitter, <laughs> certainly. <laughs> all other bears, um, the jury's out. Right, the jury's out on some bears. <laughs> I like bears. Well, you say that. I've seen them in the wild, and I still like them. Of course, I was in a car at the time, and one just jumped out of the woods and was like running beside the car. Yeah, that's oh, exactly that's exactly how grizzly bears run. <laughs> I don't know. It's like the big hump waddling on the back. <laughs> Yes. Oh, it's just taking a natural <laughs> history turn that I wasn't expecting. <sighs> what? You congested. I've my allergies I'm are going to be editing out sniffs. For the yeah, next my allergies are really bad. I promise, I'm not doing cocaine. No. No, not this week anyway. I think we can tell that by the levels of enthusiasm. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it is allergy season then. Is it? It feels kind of early for allergy season. It does feel early, but, you know, it's just a new fresh hell after <laughs> fresh hell after fresh hell after fresh hell. So, you know. Oh, is that, that me? That's you. It's always me. <laughs> Time to get up. That Time means, to get up, Brumie. That means that we're doing this at nine o'clock in the morning. Wake up. Wake up, Brumie. Wake up. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> It's my nightmare come true. I've woken up in the middle of a podcast. What on the earth have I said? Oh. If only I knew. If only there was a way to find out. <laughs> this is uh, episode 52 post COVID or COVID. Yeah. We're not post anything. Yeah. I don't care what certain governors in certain states want you to believe. What's messed up is those governors are the ones who seem to be doing quite well with their constituents, whereas the governors who are actually doing a good job at taking care of people, people are like, no, we hate you. Stop taking care of us so well. Right. Let us make up our own minds, because we're dumb. <laughs> <sighs> who knew that the end of the world would be so boring? Yeah, like DeSantis down in, in Florida at the CPAC, the straw poll, he came after he came right after Trump in the straw poll of who Republicans want to run for president in 2024. Let's not do that podcast again. 
The, the ice is melting <laughs> <laughs> And we're skating on it How are you otherwise? Eh, you know we're Sort of having a cookie season Stelly's doing One cookie booth a week On a Friday And uh, You know And it's supposed to be drive through And most people understand that it's drive through And don't get out of their cars Mm-hmm. A couple of people park and get out of their cars and walk up. And that's fine, except for like the two people last night who showed up, g- parked, got out of their car, and were not wearing masks and buying cookies from Stelly. And I'm just kind of like, is this even worth it? Yeah. I think people think because they're outside, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Which, to some extent, I think is probably there's probably something in that. Yeah. But you'd still want to be safe than sorry, I right. guess. Even at this stage. Yes. You've dodged it for so long. Do you really want to catch something in your attempt to buy cookies from someone? Right. Yeah. And see, that's the thing. So many more people died towards the end of World War Two than like. <laughs> I don't know why that's making me laugh. <laughs> oh, death. Sweet, sweet death. Sweet, sweet death. Where our fingers are crossed. Did you see? Um, uh. oh. <laughs> Have you seen this? Have you read about this? I've heard um, of- the space hotel. No. That they're talking about building. The space hotel is uh, due to start construction in twenty twenty five. An actual hotel in space. Uh huh. And it's going to have restaurants. I think. I think a bowling alley and a movie theatre. Isn't that missing the point slightly? You want to go and watch a movie in a hotel in space when you could be, I don't know, looking at the world from space. Yeah, well, how long do you stare at Earth? (laughs) I guess. How jaded we become so quickly. Yeah. Okay. Did you ever read... Okay, kids, we've seen Earth. Now let's go watch... Fucking Avengers Four or whatever. Did you did you ever get around to reading that uh, Artemis book, which is essentially about a resort on the moon? I doubt it. Yeah, by the guy who wrote The Martian. Oh no, I definitely didn't because you put me off it. Yeah, but I mean, it's that's basically the setting. <laughs> so he caught something else right about science. Mm-hmm. I just struck me as being hilarious. Why would you spend all that money? <laughs> just because you have the money. Because I mean, to watch the only, a movie. Let's be honest. The only and, people and, who, and go bowling. The only people who'd be going would be people who have the money to go. Right. Well, right. that's true of anywhere. You know. So you go. You look at Earth. Maybe you Once, know. Maybe how long do you spend looking at Earth before you get bored of it? Fifteen seconds. I don't know. I've never stared at Earth before. From space. From space. 30 seconds. You start to get itchy after like 30 seconds, but you don't want to be the first one to say, okay, we're done. And then you could go like, maybe maybe they have like guided moonwalking tours. Well, it's not in the moon. It's just in space. It's just in space. It's not actually on the moon. No. Well, At then- no point did I say it was on the moon. You drew a conclusion to a book that you once read and thought that that's what I was talking about. I wasn't hoping. It's about. just floating around in space. Well, that's dumb. 
<laughs> at least on the moon you could take a moonwalk they could have like a, um like a national museum there where the footprints are and everything where you know there's like an overlook hanging and you can look at the footprints and stuff don't know problem with that is there's no atmosphere are you turning into jeff's dad or is jeff's, jeff's dad, dad? <laughs> jeff's dad. Oh my god the levels of evil <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah and we watch the globes sort of what's happened to al pacino <laughs> is someone checking on him make sure he's okay he was so still in that zoom I saw something like, say Was it just a picture of him? But they know he kind of blinks. <laughs> Someone mentioned, I can't remember who it was, said that the, the Golden Globes had been uh, postponed for a few weeks. But all the while Al Pacino's been sitting <laughs> waiting. <laughs> Apparently what they're going to do for the SAG Awards is they're going to pre-record it so that it's not quite as cringy as the Golden Globes were. I didn't really pay attention to it, so I wouldn't Come to the comment. Was it that bad? Well, you noticed the Al Pacino thing. And then well, what's his I name? Eyes. Daniel Koyega at the beginning, who was on mute. Remember that? The very first award? You couldn't hear him? Daniel Koyega. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I still haven't watched that movie that he was in that he won for. Is it uh, is, uh, um, Judas and the Black Messiah. kind of want to watch that. Even though I know it's going to be sad. And make me angry. Shall we preamble, my dear? That's, that's it? Yeah, we've been going for ten minutes. Okay, sure. Give me some of that extraterrestrial coring news. Ryan Thomas, who played Jason Grimshaw on The Cobbles, has announced that he has quit acting completely, claiming that he has lost the bug and couldn't stand the bullying on social media when he was on Neighbours, so... Apparently he's doing a podcast with his brothers now. Oh. So. So he was the guy that was on Celebrity Big Brother. Right. Who got accused of bullying slash assaulting Roxanne Pallet. Uh-huh. So there's a good reason. <laughs> there, there may be other underlying reasons why he's decided that he's not going to. Oh, no, he was completely innocent. Was he? Yeah, it was shown on TV. Yeah. He, she made out that. He punched her and he didn't. Yeah. But I can see why that would put you off. Although that was like a couple of years ago. Yeah. That was uh, when we were doing Celebrities Whose Initials Begin With RP. Oh, yes. Yes, now I remember that. It predated even that. Yeah. Well, and also I God. guess he's been he's been working for... Now that was a feature, wasn't it? Uh, he's been working for... Um, still, we got Rosie Perez's career back. <laughs> On, on track with it you know got her on the flight attendant because we went to draw the podcast i remember dross parole but i don't think <laughs> don't think he became less dead no. is he dead i don't know <laughs> anyway um he's also ryan thomas how is that rp that's Rocks rt and oh yes yes that's right anyway um Apparently, he's also been working for the equivalent of DoorDash in the UK, delivering cheeseburgers and stuff in his Rolls Royce, showing up at people's doors, knocking on the doors. Here's your food. Fancy. Yeah. I don't know. Celebrities, man. 
It's 2021. <laughs> All bets are off. Yes. Everything is awful. Mm-hmm. Everything is awful. No. Everything's don't. the please worst. Don't. Please don't. When you're living through COVID. Anyway. Furthering on, everything is awful. Sad news. As Corey icon Johnny Briggs died this week at the age of 85. The actor who played Mike Baldwin had been suffering from a long-term illness. Yeah, that was really sad. Yeah. He was Coronation Street. Like, for people of my generation growing up watching it, uh, the likes of the storylines with uh, Ken and Deirdre Mm -hmm. and Deirdre's affair with Mike and the fights in the Rovers and all that sort of stuff when you were a kid and your folks are watching Coronation Street, if you're off an age, uh-huh. that's what you remember. That was Coronation Street. Seems and like there I was an awful lot more brawling on the show than there is now. That was the occasional brawl. <laughs> but it was um, it was event TV when that was happening. Right. I remember, I think I said this on Twitter, being with my family in Blackpool and walking through the Winter Gardens. And as we were walking through the Winter Gardens, it looked like Mike Baldwin, Johnny Briggs and his family were walking out if it wasn't him it yeah. looked exactly like him and right. we were all oh my god it is Mike <laughs> fucking Baldwin right there right there and then we went about our day and we were all kind of high and buzzed and we uh-huh. talked about it at lunchtime oh god that was, what's he doing in Blackpool uh-huh. as if you know celebrities don't go to Blackpool right but my gran was sitting with a face like thunder because she was so pissed off because Mike Baldwin was having an affair with Deirdre it just put her in a bad mood for the rest for the rest of the day. And that's what Coronation Street was back then. Yeah. That's like that time that uh, my family and I were on a plane with Peter Fonda and my dad tried to get me to go up to him and get him to sign my Cabbage Patch Kid. Oh, there were so many points during that brief <laughs> anecdote that I thought it was going to go in a horrible direction. <laughs> and it didn't, thankfully. Anyway. Anyway. Continuing the sad news. Yeah. Frank Mills, who played Billy Williams on the show, also passed away this week at age 93. Frank also appeared in my mom's favorite show, Midsummer Murders, <laughs> as well as Foil's War, Minder, The Brief, The Palace, and a number of other shows. So two, two aged Corey actors gone in one week. Yeah, it's sad news. Sad news all around. Yep. I started with the happy bit with the... The guy <laughs> quitting acting forever. Quitting acting forever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I said to put the happy article first. I'm not sure that was happy. <laughs> I don't know. He seems quite content with his life now, so I guess it is happy. It's sad that he felt that he was bullied, but still. I know this. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome to Last Year Tonight with me, John Oliver. Just enough time to quickly talk about Forget the Elephant. Any ideas? No. This was Kirk. Getting lost in an extended elephant in the room metaphor. Ah. Look, said Daniel, just forget the elephant. I was Gavin and you wanted to burn it all down. Just burn it down. Just burn, burn it, it all, all down. down. Except Coronation Street. Except for Coronation. Yep. I remember that. 
we did our best. This was like the beginning of yeah. lockdown, yeah. and it's a week before. Awful people <laughs> still in power. We hey. <sighs> keeping it light. We did our best to keep it light in the face <laughs> of COVID. Although I was sure we'd all be dead by November. We still here. We only had three full days of snow during the whole of the winter, and I don't think that's different this year. Yeah, it's been a very mild winter. Probably why my allergies are so bad. It's a week. It's a wedding week on Corey. Adam and Sarah are about to be hitched, Charles Rennie Macintosh style, and it was lovely. Even with Daniel and Bethany making eyes at each other, Adam decides to poke the hive and drops many hints to Gary about Mary's. Mary's? Maria's dalliance with Ali, who's had a haircut. Tim's dad is clearly trying to scupper the reputation of a business he has an investment in, which makes little sense. As much as we enjoyed Jade, it seems that all it took to get her to bolt was for her to have a quick lunch with Tyrone and for Hope to pass judgement on it. Roy and Nina go bat watching. Is this a yearly thing then? I guess so. Craig can't run. Liz contemplates her death by lemon sherbet. Aggie inexplicably receives an award for failing to save someone. Our moment of the week, and the week that had a wedding, was Nina and Roy watching Bats <laughs> and reciting D.H. Lawrence. And our boring moment of the week was Jenny's birthday. And that was Coronation Street and the talk of the street this time last year. And I guess we got it right, because Nina and Roy still have a better relationship than Adam and Sarah. <laughs> That's not in the skids anymore, though, right? No, yeah, they seem to be back together. Because, you know, Adam got all indignant with... Debbie, about my wife, yeah, yeah. my wife's house, which is, was never his wife's house. It was his wife's brother's house. or So it was never Sarah's house. Or, or brother-in-law. Simpler way of saying that. Shall we dive in, my dear? My wife. <laughs> my wife. My wife. <laughs> Why did you do it in a weird robot voice when you did a good Borat voice the first time? One was Borat. Borat? Borat. <laughs> One was Borat. You're as, you're as bad as uh, the guys from Stuff You Should Know trying to pronounce Dumbarton. Dumbarton. One was Borat and one was Adam Buxton. And my wife. That doesn't sound like Adam Buxton at all. In my head it does. <laughs> Shall we dive in, Medea? Let's get the Johnny... Yes, on. please. <laughs> Our first storyline today... Is Johnny. Is our last storyline today. Sure. So next storyline is Johnny on the inside getting it done. Thank goodness. In Her Majesty's Pool Hall, Johnny and Gary are chatting about talking to their other halves, Gary having trouble getting Maria to talk with him. Johnny just calls it a blip. Meanwhile, Kai and another inmate are angrily discussing how someone on the wing is dealing in pills, and Kai, the drugs kingpin, thinks that half-blind Johnny is the culprit, accusing him of undercutting him. Look at him, says Gary, but Kai mumbles and wanders away. New information. Let's do Kai a twist. is the drug dealer of the of the jail. Mm-hmm. First of all, shocking, right? Because he seems like an idiot. <laughs> no offense to the actor, no. but the character seems like an idiot. Mm-hmm. Obviously, because he is the cellmate of Johnny. He's got to know Johnny's not dealing anything. Plus, as Gary says, look, look at, at him. him. <sighs> uh, really? Ugh. But later, away from Gary, Kai catches up with Johnny in their cell, accuses him of being a drug dealer again, and then proceeds to beat him up, mm-hmm. leaving Johnny with a small smattering of jam around the nostrils. Yeah, and in his beard. Ugh, that's, that's going to be awful to clean out. Beard jam, yeah. Meanwhile... Remember when you had beard jam? 
do I remember when I had beard jam? <laughs> I don't think I do, no. <laughs> Meanwhile, <laughs> Daisy, <laughs> who's on Coronation Street this week, is being unbearable, looking at a menu for a restaurant she and Jenny are supposed to be attending. Then Jenny gets a call from the pool hall. There's been an incident, so Jenny dumps Daisy to go because prisons operate like Sam's school now. And Daisy does a two-second smile fade. Apparently. Well, I mean, if somebody's been... If there's an incident where the person's been beat up, I expected them to take her... I expected the next scene to be in a hospital. I expected Jolly to be in the hospital. One would think... External jam. (laughs) One would think that an old man who suffers from MS being beat up would put him in the hospital at least for the night. They'd at least want him to go in for, like, observation for, like, a a concussion or something, wouldn't they? What is going on here? They don't even clean up his jam. Mrs. Connor? Yes. It's the pool hall here. Uh, Just to let you know that there's been an incident and (laughs) that your husband has been involved. It's okay. He's going to be fine. Just let you know he's got a little bit of jam on his face. Okay, thank you. Bye. Bye. (sighs) Bye Bye-bye. At the jail, Jen is shocked because Johnny still has a bit of jam smeared in his nose. Look at the state of you, she says. You should see the other guy, says Johnny. Yeah, unscathed. Right. She forces him to tell him about the drug dealing confusion. Still not wearing underwear, though. Because Kai saw Johnny with his MS meds and then the penny drops. He should be taking those meds immediately the second that he's given them, which means that he hasn't been taking them. And Johnny loudly explains that if he takes his meds, he stops seeing Aiden, which is the only thing that's getting him through. Genu- I thought it was, a, a, wasn't it the new meds that they'd given him for the visions that would stop him? Yeah, that's not what he's his, talking about. No, he's talking about his MS meds. He's saying, I'm not taking my MS meds. Because he was already taking his MS meds and seeing the visions. Oh, I think these are new MS meds. What the hell is going on? I'm not sure. <laughs> Which is exactly what I said during the Golden Globes. When behind Sandra O, oh, somebody was pulling... A sled full of dinosaurs. It was nice to see Jodie Foster in her jammies, though. Yes, with her lovely wife and dog. Wholesome TV. Jenny points out that this isn't real. He's going to end up killing himself. So stop being a twat and take your (laughs) fucking meds. Jenny goes home and explains all this to Daisy, who hears that Johnny is choosing the ghost of his dead son over his loving wife. You deserve a million times better than Johnny, says Daisy, and you know it. And I mean, she's not wrong, but it's not her place. And still, Jenny's not exactly pure as the driven snow either. No. Uh, drunk. Uh, putting Liz up on a... She ran Liz over. Yes. And then she More made it out... More arguably than Johnny ran over. And then she made it out, like... And then she posted Liz up on a escort service. Remember that? Oh, she did that, eh? <laughs> yeah. Which could have gone horribly, horribly wrong. It Liz- did kind of go wrong. Yeah, but... I mean... It could have gotten so much wrong. worse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Daisy's on Corey on Wednesday. And she gives Jenny the usual chat. Jenny's worth more than this. Johnny's a scumbag. blah de blah Then Jenny, just like the audience, has heard enough of this and wanders off but leaves her phone. Daisy grabs it and starts fucking about with it. And it becomes clear that she's called that bloke from the bistro weeks ago and he and Jenny flirt a wee bit. Texted. Nobody calls anybody anymore. (laughs) And they flirt a little bit in the rovers while Daisy looks on approvingly. 
and the guy asks Jenny out and she declines because she has a man on the inside all covered in jam seeing cats. The guy is confused. You asked me out, he says, and Jenny quickly deduces that this is Daisy's doing. Oi, Cupid, she says. A word. What's your issue with me and Johnny? Jenny asks, finally. Mm-hmm. And Daisy doesn't really have an answer or say anything new. She says that Johnny doesn't uh, love her and he d- and she doesn't love him and she could do better. <coughs> He's hardly a catch, etc, etc. Jenny's heard enough. Fuck off and apologise to that bloke. And Daisy flounces off. And later, Johnny calls and admits that he's not been taking his meds because he wants to see Aiden. Jenny tells him to make a decision between the living and the dead. And back in the bar, Jenny is frosty with Daisy, who promises never to speak to anyone ever again. I've trained you well, says Jenny. And in the pool hall, Johnny apologises to Aiden and starts taking his fucking meds. And that's as far as we get with that this week. Yay! Whew. Yeah, the whole meds thing confuses me because they they added a medication for him to not see his, to not see the visions. Which is what he's not been taking. Right. But that's not his MS meds because he was already taking his MS meds and seeing the visions on the MS meds. So I'm really confused by all of that. If that's the only bit in this story that you're picking up on. <laughs> well, it's the thing that annoys me the most. If that's the bit that annoys you the most. <laughs> What annoys you the most, Mud Allen? The whole thing. <laughs> but particularly Daisy. Yeah, the whole Daisy thing. It's like, it... I guess... What's her angle? That's right, what I'm confused yeah. about. Yeah, I guess if we knew more about the relationship, it would make sense why she's pushing so hard for Jenny to leave Johnny. But because we really don't know very much about her... It just comes off as like, what is, you know, there's no, there's no emotional tie to the character. I I think it's been billed as a mystery. I I don't think that Daisy's just there to be an irritant. Right. Although. Yeah, she's got, she's got some sort of end game, but because you don't really understand the relationship between her and Jenny, you know, because we, did we know that he no. had, she had a stepdaughter? This I, is the I think first we time, currently know as much as we've ever known about the yeah, relationship. Yeah, the first time them. we even hear of her existence is right before she shows up. You know, and if this is somebody that she'd had a long-term relationship for, still felt maternal toward, wouldn't we have heard about her before now? It's, she's just kind of been plopped in there. Plop is definitely the right word for this. And I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I think we we need more nasty, devious women on the street. Besides Tracy, right? Yeah, especially she's since Tracy anyway. has gotten her soft side now. So, although she will kill again, yeah. So I'm not hugely opposed to that part aspect of it, but yeah, there's just. The character development isn't there for us to care about this too much. Well, and she's just been presented as just having this really kind of nasty opinion of, of Johnny. And fair enough, Johnny did not make a good impression when they met. No. Because he was trying to get Jenny divorced. Jenny divorced him, yeah. But for that to be basically all she has to go on right. about Johnny. And the whole, it, and the whole thing of... That was that was resolved in that episode where he came back and said, you know, 
where Jenny figured out that he was just doing that because he was going to go to jail. So that's not really anything. Timbot 4000 says who eats chili con carne without rice? <laughs> well, what Me. is that? That's true. All Americans. Hmm. I don't know. I don't I, know I just what think... your people's fascination with rice is. It doesn't make any sense. It's carbs. You people. Well, <laughs> carbs and starch. Um, <coughs> we have potatoes. I kind of think we need to know. I think, you know. Um, Do we even know very much about Jenny's relationship with Daisy's dad? Was the divorce amicable? I can't tell you that. You know, how long ago was it? I can't tell you that, Helen. You know, none of the character development foundations have been done for us to get a good payoff. She's just come into it. She's been a bit of a bitch. Right. She's just been plopped in. Plop is the right word. Yes. You know. Moving on. Moving on. Our next storyline this morning, today, this evening, is Tim's fucking dad. On Monday, Tim's mum goes round to see Tim and Sally. Sally's making a wreath and did a wreath-making course and really wants to talk about making wreaths. But Tim's mum wants to talk about Yasmin, mm-hmm. who seems brighter today. You haven't heard the half of it, says Tim, and explains about his bereavement dividend. And Tim can't believe that this shit is legal. I love Tim. So Adam comes round to offer his legal advice. Tim explains that he wants Yasmin to have everything, but Adam advises caution not to rush into any sudden decisions. Oh, fuck you, Adam. No, he's right. No, he he's is not right. right. He is right. Don't, don't make any rash decisions. No, this is, this is, Tim is absolutely doing the right thing and everybody knows it. But Tim doesn't need that money. Tim doesn't need half of a house. Seriously, this, this whole, Adam needs to say, you know what? You're right. Your dad was a shit. That's not Poor his Yasmin. business to say. Poor Yasmin has nothing. Fine. If you want to give it all, just give it all. That's, you know, it's not his job to... It's good advice to, to advise caution before making up his mind. He's not saying don't do it. Think about it before you make up your mind. he's acting like it's like some huge deal. This isn't millions and millions of dollars. This pounds. is, this is, yes, pounds. This is like... Yen. A quarter... <laughs> a quarter of speed doll and half a house. Any inheritance has to pass through Tim before it gets to Yasmin. That's what Adam says. <laughs> kind of like the COVID. <laughs> or that last speed dial meal that they had. Oh, no. It's a human centipede all over. No. Tim's mum is in speed dial looking for Yasmin, who has gone home because of another call from a debt collector. Unprompted, Tim's mum tells Alia that Tim's dad left everything to Tim. And right. Alia's- Why did she do that? No idea. Because plot. And then Alia's initial reaction after questioning whether Tim's dad could do this and whether all of this, uh, all of these assets should automatically go to his wife seems to be concerned that Tim could force Yasmin to sell up. Right. Like Tim would ever do that. Right. And time doesn't do anything to calm Alia down because the next we see her, she's lobbing all of Tim's dad's stuff into Tim and Sally's front garden. How on earth did they still have any of Tim's dad's stuff? Wouldn't they have thrown all of that stuff out like the day of the funeral? Again, that's the bit they were questioning. <laughs> what's Alia doing here? She hasn't spoken to Tim. Right, yeah. She'll say, oh, what's She's this making... business? What's this business that I hear about you getting all our 
Tim's dad stuff and getting shares here, there and everywhere. Yeah, and Tim could have said, look, I'm really sorry about this. It's nothing to do with me. I didn't know anything about it. The soon as I get all this stuff, I'm giving it to Yasmin. Right. But Ali just seems happy to jump to the conclusion that Tim's going to rip everybody off. Well, <sighs> she's always assumed the worst of people anyway, and she's having a really emotional time you know shit trying to caretake her grandmother who's been through so much tim ends up trying to give this stuff away for free when tim's mom comes along and admits to being the one who told alia oh pig's tit says tim and he goes off to speak to yasmin politely telling tim's mom to bolt when she offers to come along yeah that at this part of the week and what's been going on up until now tim's mom is kind of playing this part where she's actually just making the things worst. much worse Yasmin and Alia are still pissed with him until he shouts that everything he's been left, he's going to give back to Yasmin. And this calms Alia down. You better come in, she says, and Alia's tickled pink, but Yasmin looks like Tim has just said that he's bought her another chicken. <laughs> On Wednesday, Alia's cheering out that Tim is doing the right thing and they're selling the community centre. They have a chance to finally put Tim's dad behind them, pay off all that debt and she's off to tell the debt collectors this. Yasmin is pretty much the polar opposite and decides that she's going to skip work today and lie on the couch instead. Meanwhile... Lots of couch lying this mm -hmm. week. The undertaker is out of uniform and eyeing up the community centre. It's perfect, he says. Roy's Rolls is next door, the florist is across the street, solicitor's just down the road a little bit. Roy mentions that the Yasmin currently owns the community centre and the undertaker sucks a thoughtful tooth. He's right, it is prime location. Absolutely. And this, I guess, means that George is going to be a permanent fixture on the street. If this sale goes through. Yeah. He seems to have slowly become a permanent fixture anyway. Yeah, from that little right. uh, fleeting glance of him <laughs> when uh, Archie Shuttleworth yes. shuttleworthed off this mortal coil. Correct. Yeah, he's been back and forth. It seems that he's... Uh, and I, I think that's yeah. that's probably a good thing. I like him. He's all right. Is he a little too Brian? Him and Brian I always think are kind of similar. Brian is far more annoying. Oh, <laughs> Brian. <laughs> At home, Yasmin grabs a mail. You're the one who keeps calling him about the... Sniper stream. <laughs> At home, Yasmin grabs the mail. Then amongst the usual red stamped envelopes or something from the county court. And whatever it is, it forces Yasmin to call Alia and shout a message down the phone saying this is the... This is a disaster. Presumably she just found out about the Hindenburg bursting into flames. Hydrogen and fire. Who'd have thunk? It's pissing it down later when the undertaker approaches Yasmin and declares his interest in buying the community centre, but Yasmin is in a hurry and a bit squirrely with him and rushes off just as Eileen shows up. He explains her plans to her with a wink and she thinks maybe she's going to get her hold from him after all. Oh. Meanwhile, Yasmin bursts into speed dial and slaps the notice from the court on the desk. They're going to take me back. She screams at Alia, I'm going back to jail. Which is not what the thing says at all. It's a CCJ, a county court <laughs> judgment. Right. And she tells Yasmin not to get worked up, but Yasmin says people are angry and want their money. Well, they're just going to have to fucking wait, says Alia, and she goes off to speak to Imran. I always knew that man would ruin who me, they, says Yasmin, who who's they, remembering things wrong. Who they owe her money. Who, who they owe money to, Imran. Yeah. Hi, Imran, I know we owe you money, but can you help us out with this thing too? Just real quick. Real quick. In come the Undertaker and Eileen. 
the Undertaker apologising for earlier. Yasmin isn't sure what um, he's talking about and shows them to a table where he goes on about how the community centre is a perfect venue for his funeral parlour and Speeddale might be the ideal place for the wee cup of tea afterwards. The sound effects department go a tad overboard at this to show Yasmin's disconnection with the world around her as Eileen and the Undertaker bicker about whether he was being Ugh. sensitive or not. And and this whole sound effect thing continues. Yeah. And continues to annoy me. I did not find it effective at all throughout this whole story. No, right? I, I thought it was a bit misplaced. It and was it's misplaced, misplaced and distracting. And a show that doesn't really have sound effects. Yeah. Or sound effects like that. Right, yeah. It seems like they throw all of their like special effects at the whole Yasmin story. And mm-hmm. sometimes it works and sometimes... Although, remember, I also didn't like the whole projection of Tim's dad's face on the kitchen cupboards either. Although you it, liked that. I did like that. I thought it was arty. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's quieter later when Tim goes around to explain about some of the contract stuff that he's going to have to get her to sign. But she loses her shit, can't deal with this and runs away. But when she comes back, Tim hasn't moved. That's all hilarious. <laughs> Characters and soaps run away from people and then right. and then the situation goes away. Right. But Tim's been hanging about. Yes. She breaks down and starts to rant about how people want her back to normal, get some chickens, Tim's dad's rotten in hell, well, she's rotten here on earth. Yeah, about those contracts, says Tim. And cats and dogs. But she doesn't care together. about any of that. Give it to Alia, give it to Tim's mum, and she runs away again when Alia comes back, who seems keen to blame Tim again, and he holds up his hands. Went me. Yep. Back home, Yasmin locks the door, puts the chain on, and we hear a rapid heartbeat as she looks like she's about to collapse or die. Alia arrives, and as she becomes more frantic because she can't get in, Yasmin inside gets more and more panicked. Alia sees her lying sparked out on the floor, and she and Tim run round to the back door, and when they get in, Yasmin is conscious, says, don't touch me, but then says that she can't breathe, so Alia calls an ambulance. Back home, Sally has nicked Peter's blanket as she and I and Tim's mum discuss if they would bang Alan Titchmarsh or not. Tim barges in and breathlessly explains that Yasmin has been rushed to hospital with breathing problems. Tim's mum swoops into action, determined to make things worse, and heads to the hospital. Sensible Sally tells Tim to stay put. Let the dust settle, she says. Tim explains that Yasmin was so gone, she was talking about giving the shares of the business away. Sally doesn't really care and continues... Peeling her spuds, but not like that. <laughs> At the hospital, Tim's mum is doing Alia's tits in by going on about her neighbour, whose birthday it is and how they like cats. Our nurse explains that Yasmin will be kept in while they work out what's but going on. But how she thinks animals in clothing is cruel. <laughs> right. Even, even if it's just a drawing, she finds it cruel. Yeah. What? Alia explains about Tim's dad and how she thought everything would be better with him out of the picture. She just wants Yasmin to get better. On Friday, Yasmin is in hospital, but it looks like she's making a full recovery. She's a bit embarrassed by it all. Alia and Ryan tell her that she's not alone and everyone is here for her. Cheers on that, says Yasmin. The nurse comes back in and explains that it wasn't a heart attack, it was a panic attack instead. Yasmin is calm as she starts to explain about the debts that she has from Tim's dad, which the nurse couldn't give a fuck about, and Alia tries to shush her, and she ends up getting more and more frantic again, yelling that she's not mentally ill. This has only started since Tim's dad fell from the roof and ate some chickens at Christmas. Mm-hmm. Back home, Tim and Tim's mum are talking about the stress Yasmin has been under and he tells her about the shares and the will and stuff and he reckons that Yasmin needs someone who understands and thinks Tim's mum is in a perfect position to help. 
Later, after the nurse has assessed Yasmin after this outburst, she tells Alia and Ryan privately that Yasmin needs counselling and antidepressants and Alia doesn't think that her gran's going to go for the meds and she gets upset because all she wants is her gran back. Right. At home, as predicted, Yasmin isn't interested in meds or counselling. Alia makes the same mistake about the definition of madness and warns her gran that unless something changes, she's going to end up back in hospital. And Tim's mum goes round and Yasmin speaks to her more freely than she does to anybody else, especially when Tim's mum has brought the brandy round. Tim's mum mentions her idea of giving away speed doll and her house, and Yasmin confirms that she meant every word. That is what she intends to do. And that kind of surprised me a little bit that after after all that, she didn't calm down and say... Yeah, I wasn't really thinking. Yeah, which is what you would expect. This is news to Alia, but Yasmin is unmoved. It's what she wants. Alia and Tim's mum don't want the speed dial shares and Alia doesn't want the house. Are you going to throw me out? Asks Yasmin, because if you aren't, it makes no difference, which is a fair point, I guess. Yeah. Yasmin eventually comes round... The house would eventually go to Alia anyway. Right. Yasmin eventually comes round on the house idea, but insists that Tim's mum gets the shares in speed dial if for no other reason than Tim's dad will be spinning in his grave about it. Again, that's, that's true. a fair point. And they all laugh as though the chickens in the back garden have been clucking dirty jokes this entire time. <laughs> And then later, Tim's mum agrees to take her shares for the restaurant so long as Yasmin doesn't give up hers. Either they do it together or not at all. So Yasmin agrees and they get wired into the brandy. Tim's mum hints that, but then doesn't hint, that travelling from Bolton is getting a bit much for her. So Yasmin tells Tim's mum to move into the spare room. And that's hopefully how this Cory sitcom pilot episode <laughs> is going to go. Yes. Yes, it's, it's almost as if Tim's mum has been here before. <laughs> yeah. Somebody said that, uh, I, I think it was Mercy Tart. It that, was. Yeah. Yep, that Ryan dumps Alia but stays in the house. <laughs> so if you can have a man about the house, that's right. Which we should have the theme tune for every time we go to that storyline. So it becomes a sitcom within a soap opera. Yes. Wow. We should do that. We should do that? Yeah. Like every time... Like our next storyline today, and if it's a Yasmin and Tim's mum thing, you play the Three's Company music or the Man About the House Man music. Man About the House music, not the Three's Company I've music. I've been here for too long. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. So Yasmin wanting to give away the shares and the house. I'm it, not sure I follow the logic 100% of it. No, no, especially since we know that she was really upset. You know, if she really didn't care, then why be upset and not want to talk to Tim when she found out about Tim getting it all? You'd think she'd be like, fine, I don't care. I think you said about other characters, though, that after the trauma of the storyline has kind of moved on, they do need some kind of therapy. Yeah. And Yasmin hasn't had no. any of that. No, and she needs it. She's on the arse end of a storyline that has been going for the best Far part of long. two years. Yeah. We're only really two months post all that. Right. I like the idea of, of uh, Tim's mum becoming a permanent fixture and moving in. Yeah, so long as she doesn't stay being this irritant that makes things worse. Right. Well, and it's funny because... For part of the week, she was, and part of the week, she wasn't, you know? She goes back and forth. From Bolton, yeah. Sometimes, sometimes like with the whole, you know, sitting around, hanging out, drinking coffee and brandy, 
she's sensible but it, it seems like it seems like what happens is when Yasmin gets upset and everything that's when Tim's mom gets upset and frantic and starts saying dumb things about animals and clothing and stuff right you know and then otherwise she's she's pretty good mm-hmm so I think oh, yeah. she still has trauma from this whole thing, too. And seeing Yasmin go through it is bringing a lot of stuff back for right. her. She's dealing with it as well. Right. I guess. Mm-hmm. Right. 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 So I guess she's definitely not moving in with Tim then. Tim's mom. Tim's mom. No. Yeah. Remember when that was almost a thing? At yeah, least, at t- least Yas- with Yasmin, it makes sense because Yasmin has the room. Mm-hmm. Unless Tim's mom was going to stay with Faye. But now that Craig... Oh, no, let's not. No, let's, let's not. Let's please. Not. Our next storyline today is Asha's lovely storyline. Dot, dot, dot. Question mark. <laughs> 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 On Monday, Asha's round at Roy's Rolls to see if Nina is free tonight, but Nina has plans to go bat watching with Roy, and Asha's a little put out and wants to go with, but Nina says it would be like Asha asking her to go to an Ariana Grande concert. Asha is very much of the opinion that if they're a couple, they should do things together. <sighs> but Nina says it's good to do things on their own. Plus, she has a meeting at the Knicker Factory to talk about designs, which is super exciting. And Asha looks a little crestfallen. Yeah, this is this is this is the problem with having a relationship between a more mature character mm-hmm. and a less mature character. Yep, because. You know, it it's understandable that somebody Ash's age would would think that that's what relationships are. Still at school, every, let's remember. Yes, spending every bleeding second with one another, mm-hmm. and oh, if you want to do something without me, that means you don't like me anymore and stuff. Right. If you if you would rather do something without me, right? Then how can this possibly be a relationship? Right. Yeah. Which the, is something that everybody thinks when they're that age. Mm-hmm. But Nina is, you know, older, slightly older, in college, you know, has has dealt with death and, you know, other things. Although she kind of insinuates later to Roy that she really hasn't had very many relationships with anybody of either gender mm-hmm. later on and starts acting immaturely. But we'll get to that. The most valid point here is, though, that this is something that Nina wants to do and she knows that Asha would hate it. Right, yeah, that she wouldn't have fun. And it would end up making Nina feel uh, responsible for that. Right. And then she wouldn't enjoy herself. Right. And then as a consequence of that, Roy wouldn't enjoy himself. Right. Well, he probably still would enjoy himself. But as a consequence to that, though, bats would not be watched. Right, yeah. And we can't have that. Yes. Plus, Nina really values her time with her uncle. Right. You know, because that's her, the only family she has. And nobody and, better be fucking that up. Right. And while the Allahans seem to just want to welcome everybody in, you know, Nina and Roy aren't that kind of people. Right. <laughs> Although it's funny as much s- as I love the Allahans, sometimes they're a bit much. It's funny seeing Roy in the in classic Corey because he's given, had been given some. Uh, thought to supernatural goings on mm-hmm. that I don't think uh, Roy would do. Yeah. Anyway, 
In her meeting at the Knicker Factory, Nina talks with confidence about her designs, how she's working on her range, and she takes suggestions from Sarah, who loves her work. Nick has been crying about another storyline, so the designs <laughs> are a little bit blurry, but he kind of approves too. <laughs> Back at Roy's, Amy comes in and tells Nina that Asha's under the impression that Nina blew her off earlier. Which is not what happened at uh, all. Nina's a bit confused, but mostly dismissive. Her plans with Roy have been in place for ages. Right. But she goes to see Asha and expresses her disappointment that Asha had been upset but told Amy about it instead of telling her. Asha says that she was sad because she wanted to spend time with Nina, but has read online that it's good to have outside interests. There you go, says Nina, rolling her eyes a wee bit. The fact that she had to look it up online. Right. I think. Yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. So later, she and Roy are ready to go bat hunting. Roy expected Asha to be joining them, but Nina says that she prefers it when it's just the two of them. More people, less bats, says Roy, who mentions how much that he likes Asha. Nina pays Asha a slightly backhanded compliment, saying that if she plays her cards right, she'll get to update her relationship status on her socials, suggesting again that she's finding Asha a bit on the young side. Right, and also a bit overwhelming and wanting to push the relationship faster than Nina does, Mm -hmm. which will continue. Because on Wednesday, oh. it's Dev's birthday. Yay! <laughs> and the kids I, have got him a card. Two cards. He pretends that this is adequate and then goes off to work. Thanks for a big bag of fuck all, says Addy. It turns <laughs> out that they have a surprise planned at the bistro, though. But the wind is knocked out of Asha's sails when Nina knocks back the invite, claiming that she has to look after the calf. Yes. Which we'll, is perfectly reasonable. But we learn that this is not strictly true. Mm. And Nina only arranges it with Roy later. She mentions the party, but it's early days, she says. So long as Asha and Nina are in agreement, this is fine, says Roy. Nina is pleased because it means that Roy can go out with Nigel and look at bats or something. Winner, winner, says Nina. And then she won't stop looking expectantly at Roy until he says... Chicken dinner. Chicken dinner. Love it. And I watched that and I thought, my darling (laughs) is going to love this. (laughs) And you were right. It's... What I love most about that, and I think I said this on the, the socials, is what has happened to get us to that position. Uh-huh. This has obviously been a thing where for possibly weeks, possibly uh, months, yeah. Nina has been saying winner, winner, and then wanting Roy to say chicken dinner. <laughs> and maybe he hasn't been doing it. Yeah. But it's the way that she says it with that little glint in her eye. Winner, winner. winner. And he smiles and then the smile fades. Oh, do I have to? <laughs> Chicken dinner. That's just superb. I absolutely love that. It's it's such a it's such a great relationship, you know. Mm-hmm. Like like somebody have pointed out, women's relationships with Roy are just the best, especially when it's like a paternal <laughs> sort of thing. Like him mm-hmm. and Carla. That's mm-hmm. the best relationship Carla has, is yep. her relationship with Roy. Mm-hmm. Roy's more of a dad to her than Johnny is and will ever be. Right. <laughs> we need more of Roy with John with Johnny. Roy with Carla and Roy with Nina. Actually, this is what we need. Roy with Johnny might sort Johnny out. <laughs> so Addy is in Roy's roles chatting with Nina and he explains that Asha's at home in a mood between Nina blowing out the party and he's bought Dev a fancy round of golf so Asha's face is tripping. He announces that he's off for a waz. Good to know, says Nina. Right, yeah. That, that. <laughs> so Nina goes to see Ash and help her make a photo album for Dave's birthday. And Nina asks about Sunita. And there are a couple of times where Nina expresses admiration for Dave. 
Asha asks if she's sure that she doesn't want to come at the party, but Nina lies, says that she wants to, but she made a promise to Roy. And she leaves, and Nadi comes back in. And Asha gushes to him about how Nina's the best thing that ever happened to her. She gets her. She's drop-dead gorgeous. She's just ace. And Addy rolls his eyes as he wonders exactly what question he just asked. And she keeps me safe. And mm-hmm. that's like the whole... Yeah, she says that a couple of times, doesn't she? Yeah. Roy's ready to leave and thanks Nina for offering to look after the place. And Addy overhears this and is upset that Nina made out that this wasn't her choice. And if she didn't want to go to the party, she should have just said, Roy is the worst thing that he could be with Nina. He's a bit disappointed. No. Disappointed that he's become embroiled in this deception. Oh, pig's tits, says Nina. She explains that it feels too soon to be doing big family things. It's not as if they're married. Ad explains that Asha has her on a pedestal and after ITV Corey, he hoped that she'd be better. She's not happy about the pedestal or the comparison right. and says that she, can, that she cares very much for Asha. Well, prove it, says Addy. Right, and this is just so ridiculous. I mean, I can understand. It's nice to see Addy sticking up for Asha, but it's not... It's not Nina's job to fix Asha. No. When you're in a relationship, it's not your job to fix the other person. No, it's not her job to make Asha happy. No. You know, and she did not ask to be put on a pedestal. And she did not ask to be, you know, the salve for the whole ITV Quarry stuff. That's not her job. So to guilt her into doing things that she's not comfortable doing yet, Mm -hmm. that's just going to ruin this perfectly nice little same-sex relationship. This is a boy trying to help. And not helping. Right. But, you know, Asha does basically the same thing to Mm -hmm. Nina. And the bistro, (laughs) Mary's doing a turn for Dev and Asha when Addy comes in with Nina, which obviously excites Asha. Dev is not on cloud nine, he says. He's on cloud 11. (laughs) And he gives a speech in which he thanks Nina for putting a smile on Asha's face again. Mm-hmm. He tells <laughs> That's Nina. All I could think of. He tells Nina that she's now a permanent member of the family uh, forever and ever uh, and ever. No, and nobody Nina, wants to hear that. And Nina somehow manages to not leave a Nina-shaped hole in the bistro door, <laughs> but she does get wired into the wine. Yeah. Eventually she gets back to Roy's roles and Roy's behind the counter, somewhat angry that she lied about covering for him and then fucked off anyway. Nina explains that she loves the Allahans, but by God they move too fast. Yeah. She was looking for a bit of fun, but reckons that Asha will have her picking out IKEA furniture next. Yep. And ceramic relax signs for the bathroom. <laughs> oh my god, I love that as well. Roy gives her the okay to go talk to Asha and explain her feelings. I could kiss you, says Nina. And Roy puts on his mask. (laughs) But Nina doesn't really get a chance to explain anything before Asha's already gushing about how wonderful Nina is and how safe she feels and how Nina gets her and that's why she loves her. Ah. Well, you went there, says Nina. And Asha says, I am not denying my feelings anymore. Back at Roy's rolls, Nina is fucking freaked out. She's decided that she's fine with how things are now. She's getting over her own commitment issues. She had more reservations than the bistro on Valentine's night. Which was zero. Which was zero, by the way, which I have in parenthesis there. (laughs) But now she's going to be more like her mum's mate, Pam, who took the removal van and a wedding dress on the first date. Well, so long as you're happy, says Roy. That's as far as we get with that this week. Yeah, this is not going to go well. I thought, 
um, that all of this, despite the fact that this is not going in the direction that I want it to go in, because mm-hmm. it's a lovely storyline and it's right. delightful. And yes. I like having something that's lovely and delightful right. and heartwarming that's happening. Yes. Because there's not an awful lot of that happening on Coronation Street right, right. now. Right, or anywhere, for God's sake. <laughs> this is why I just like, gave up on Ozark and just started watching The Muppet Show and Ted Lasso. <laughs> that's... That's a natural progression from the Ozark to the Muppet Show. Absolutely. From there to Sesame Street then, I think. But the whole, um, the acting of Nina throughout this, that um, of being, you know, she was kind of laid back and cool and mature mm-hmm. and and kind of sexy with that. You know, she was mm-hmm. a, she was a, um, the Parisian, if you like. Right. But and now, seemed- this frantic part of her in the, the cafe, which is, no, it, it's fine. I've decided that it's me. It's me. It's my... Commitment issues. Yeah, blah, I didn't blah, blah, like blah. that. But her delivery of that was just mm-hmm. frustrating. Yeah. I just... She's just she's just been such a great, wholesome character, you know, sticking up for people that she cares about and everything. So for her to go from that to kind of... No, no, I have to, you know, bury my own concerns and everything and just pretend to be happy... And pretend all of this is fine. When it's not fine, it's kind of disappointing. And it just means that things are just going to get so much worse before they get better. I don't think this is going to be a permanent state for Nina at all. It's in the immediate aftermath of that conversation where she's just heard Asha say that she loves her. She's panicked a little bit. I don't think this is a permanent change in the She said, I love you. And and then the whole, you know, Addie saying... You know, you're you're meant to fix her. After the whole ITV mm. Corey thing, you never want to be the one that's been chosen to fix a person, do you? No, no, no. The responsibility is a little bit too great because yeah. if they're going to get fucked up, they're going to get fucked up anyway. Yeah, with or without you, right? I'd kind of like just to go back a week. Yeah, me too. <laughs> me too. And I mean, Nina's right. The Alahans can be a bit much. You know, Dev saying that she's a permanent member of the family forever, forever and ever, 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 ever. That was a bit cringe as well. And I mean, I kind of understand because, you know, Mary's a permanent member of the family forever and ever and ever. So they do welcome people in and everybody's happy. But again, it feels like Dev is putting the same responsibility onto Nina that Addie and Asha are, that... Oh, I'm so glad she's with you now because you're safe mm-hmm. and you will make her better when it's not Nina's job to make her better. Dev is just happy to pass on the responsibility. Yeah, I, I can see this being a, a a relationship that doesn't last very much longer. No. At least for a little while and then maybe it'll, lessons will be learned and it'll, yeah. it'll go back to how it was. But the way that it's going, it's like I can't see Nina putting up with this for... Yeah. For another minute. No. <laughs> anyway. Our, our next storyline today is Knackered Knickers. Who's what's now? Knackered Knickers. Knackered Knickers. Knackered. Knackered. Yes. Knickers. Yes. Knackered Knickers. I don't know what the storyline is. On Monday. Who's tired in the factory? Knickers. He's like a half-shut knife at the builder's yard. Oh, oh, Paul. <laughs> it's not easy trying to sleep in a house with three adults and five kids where there's never more than a 45-minute... Uh, Silence. Four adults. I think he's counting himself. 
Well, he's not counting himself. Oh, four adults, yeah. Ed tells Nickers that he needs to find a new place to live. You think? In the pub, Nickers hasn't been able to find anything in his place. Just Paul. (laughs) You're not as cool as Uncle... Okay, fine. In the pub, Paul hasn't been able to find anything in his price range in the paper. Ed says that he'll see if he knows anyone looking for a lodger. And then, apropos of nothing, and certainly not relevant to the storyline, Paul tells Ed that Dev is looking for refurbishments to Daniel's kitchen cupboards. Back at the yard, Ed is confused by his phone, so, <laughs> so Paul helps out. He has a quote to give at four, and then a couple's Roomba at seven. Zumba. Hmm. Zumba? I Not Roomba. Why would it be? Uh, why would it be couples vacuuming? Roomba's a dance. No, Zumba is a dance. Roomba is a vacuum. No, Roomba's a dance. No, Zumba. Rumba. That was it. It was Rumba. No, it was Zumba. It was, was, was couple Zumba. Then an, this means that Paul will have to fix Daniel's cupboards, and Ed promises. You know how I know it's Zumba. I had the subtitles on, and it said Zumba. Give me a bit deep, new hen. Well, sometimes I have to watch the show while you're sleeping. (laughs) And sometimes you don't. (laughs) And Ed promises to look over the job before signing off on it because Paul is a bit nervous about his first solo job. And so he should be because he fucks up the door despite watching a YouTube instructional video. When Ed comes round to see it, he assumes that he's sacked, but instead Ed tells him that everyone has to start somewhere and announces that Paul is going to be his new apprentice. On well, Daniel looks on. What, why am I involved well, in any of this? Same. Well, I mean, I couldn't even fix it on my own, which is why I called you. Right. On Wednesday, Ed isn't regretting giving Paul a pull-up, but he does have a condition. He needs to go speak to Daniel. Just not sure about what, but fine. Well, to apologise for fucking up his cupboard door, I guess. But they fixed it. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. He does as he's told and apologises for the cupboard door. Daniel seems confused as to why this conversation is happening, but it's pleasant and they wind each other up a bit about who's the most sarcastic as Daniel puts the kettle on. Yeah. And over a cuppa, they chat about Billy and Sinead and stuff and Daniel has the bright idea of taking Paul in as a lodger and Paul is ecstatic about living with Daniel. I like this. Oddly, I quite like it as well. I like this. I like this. I like this just as much as I like Paul working for the Baileys now. You know, it gets it, Paul because Paul from the very beginning has either been Gemma's brother or Billy's boyfriend. You know, even when he was in his own storyline with mm-hmm. the Kel. with the whole Kel thing, an awful lot of it was Gemma reacting mm-hmm. to Paul's traumatic storyline. And even Bernie reacting. Right. Yeah. It was more a family storyline than something just of Paul's. So having Paul branch out and starting to have relationships with other people on the street, I'm all for it. I wouldn't even mind if, uh, if Daniel decides he's bisexual. <laughs> I would not mind that at all. I have my fingers crossed. Uh, okay. I know, you, you showed <laughs> me. More than Craig? Or do you want both of them? Right. <laughs> To suddenly be fond of the, the thruple. Body. Oh. The thruple made in heaven. That's no. a very different sofa cinema club. <laughs> no, because I want Craig to oh. I want I want Craig to not have a, a relationship porn with movie James. again, guys. I want Craig to hook up with James, not Paul. Yeah. But Paul and Daniel kind of make sense. And also it would be nice for the actor who plays Daniel, who's gay in real life, to actually be able to play his sexuality on screen. Yeah, I guess. I think the much like Jodie Foster, it always kind of makes me sad 
watching. But then Paul isn't playing his sexuality on screen. It's true. I, I you know what mm. this is, but see, this is the thing. I was thinking about it this morning. I think it makes me more sad seeing gay actors play straight on TV than straight actors play gay, because for much of of society, for the history of society. Gay people have had to pretend to be straight anyway in real life. So it's kind of sad seeing them have to play straight for money as well. Whereas that's not quite true with straight people. Straight people don't have to pretend to be gay in real life. In that few scenes that we had with the two of them, uh-huh. I think Daniel and Paul had more chemistry together in those scenes than Paul example, and Billy ever. Paul and Billy or Daniel and Bethany. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That I think I think we we saw more just in those right. scenes on when was it? Friday? Yeah. Wednesday? Friday. Wednesday. Wednesday. I don't know. Wednesday. I watched it all last night. Yeah. I don't hate it. I don't hate it either. It makes Daniel interesting. Kind of it it definitely drags Daniel up a little bit. Right. I can feel him move slightly out the tractor beam of boring moment of the week right and maybe not this week but in weeks to come and it gives paul more to do and it gives us an opportunity to see paul as his own person rather than just Gemma's brother and billy's boyfriend i like it i'm good i'm two thumbs up for the storyline way up now wash your hands next up we have alina popped no! On Friday, Fizz is... I do not like this storyline. ...is tidying up while Tyrone is going on about owls. She thinks maybe he Twit- should be cutting back Twit- on the yoga as he rolls Twit- up... As she rolls up his mat and then sees that there's an AP on it. And I thought, mm, Tyrone's been going yoga with Al Pacino. <laughs> he looked like he'd been doing yoga. What's that about? Flustered, Tyrone says that he must have picked up the wrong one and he'll return it on his break. And so he does. He returns it to Alina Pop. And yeah, she's he knew exactly who it belonged to. To get her beloved mat back and offers to make her Tyrone beloved a cup of empty air as a thank you. Tyrone tries his owl chat with Alina and is mystified when he learns that Romanian owls don't say twit too. Then she starts to complain. American that, owls don't either. They just say who. They don't twit. They don't twit too? We don't say that owls say twit twoo. We say they, they say who. Just like all owls sound the same, but it's just like with cats. Because cats don't meow. Yeah, they do. Well, we say that they meow, but in other languages, the sound is different. That's because they're wrong because they don't speak <laughs> English. I don't actually think that. <laughs> anyway. I feel like I had to just clarify yes i don't actually think that no yeah american owls just say ooh, ooh. they're pigeons ooh. no that's ooh, ooh, ooh. That, ooh. that's a pigeon getting ooh. his bum tickled <laughs> then she starts to complain about this business course thing in spreadsheets so tyrone offers to help he always has time for a friend in need did that get you excited my darling when they started <laughs> talking about spreadsheets <laughs> Fuck Kev, who's still defrosting, and fuck the business. So Ty's working on Alina's tiny, tiny wee laptop. It gets a pop-up and uh, on how to live your best life, and there's a little bit of banter between How them. on earth is, he getting, is she getting pop-ups on Alina a spreadsheet? Pop up. Alina pop-up. 
on a spreadsheet. I think it's Google Docs or something. I don't know. And he mentions that if this is his best life, he'd hate to see the worst. Realising how that sounds, he throws Lena off the scent by claiming that he learned everything he knows about spreadsheets from Kev. Kev. Kev Webster taught Tyrone spreadsheets. No. In what parallel universe <laughs> does that make Kev, sense? who doesn't know, who's, he's just as bad as Ed about using a Any smartphone. Kind of technology. I tell you, if you want to learn about offsets and some products, I'm your man. <laughs> so he gets home and Fizz apologises for taking the mic earlier, but Ty has decided to knock yoga in the head and go jogging with Steve instead. And no one mentions anything about the fact that they still have February's activity planner stuck in the freezer door. <laughs> so it seems like Tyrone is, is choosing to not sit in the way of temptation. Well, for now. But, but what really... We all hate this, right? Well, we all hate I this. I think the world hates this. We all hate this. There was a moment towards the end of being in the, the flat where Alina has a little look. She does. She has a little look at Tyrone to say, mm-hmm. do you know what? I wouldn't mind that. Nope. She bites her lip a little bit. Mm-hmm. She does the She's eye down her. and then the eye up. Uh-huh. Her mug just disappears from her hands <laughs> and then appears on the counter. The cameraman is very, very careful not to get Tyrone's bald spot in the picture. He needs to be more careful about that. It happens to the best of us. Anyway. You look much better as a bald man than you did when you had a full head of hair. You're much more attractive now. (laughs) Which happens. Yeah, hair and I didn't get on well. No, (laughs) because you didn't know what to do with it. I could talk about (laughs) the problems with my hair for about... Remember, 45 I, have, minutes I have pictures un- of you standing by the Golden Gate Bridge with a mullet. <laughs> we, we, we need another podcast to, to, for <laughs> Just me to, to talk, talk about, about your hair. hair. Our next storyline, our penultimate storyline, no less, what? is Sean's Pyramid Shenanigans. I thought we were done with this. I thought this was over. Why are we bringing it back up? Why? Oh, un- unless... In case we haven't made it perfectly clear, we're not impressed with Tyrone and Alina possibly being a thing. No, no, no. Everybody hates this. On Friday. Everybody another, in the world. Another shipment. Even people who don't watch Coronation Street. Yeah, I think it was mentioned on uh, Stephen Colbert last night. Mm-hmm. He's not in it. I was really surprised ABC News had an article about Johnny Briggs dying. They did? Yeah. Wow. See? Yeah. That's how big a deal it and, was. And talked about, you know, Coronation Street. I was like, what's up, ABC News? You don't typically cover... You know, British soap operas. And when they do, we normally get a call. Right, yeah. Not one time. <laughs> New York Times. New York Times, y'all. Anyway, Sean's Pyramid Shenanigans. On Friday, another shipment of Sean's shape makeup has arrived and Eileen has dumped it all in her backyard. Sean's not happy as he thinks he'll shift it in no time, so Eileen gives him a choice. If the boxes come back into the house, then his bed goes out. He humps the boxes round to the factory where Kirk gives him a piece of his mind, basically call him a fucking leech, saying that he knows what it was like to have nothing and now he's walking all over people. Sean regrets this. But then Kirk points out Chesney, Gemma, the quads, Carol, and he stomps off in a huff. He doesn't mention Carol. <laughs> Sean goes to the pub where Todd and Eileen are already having a drink and we recap the situation and Eileen wonders if this business is worth it if he's going to lose all his friends in the process. He's only doing it for Dylan, and Dylan can't even be arsed answering his phone for him these days. So he calls Ridian and tells him that he wants out. Mm-hmm. And that's as far as we get with that this week. 
I want to. Losing your friends or losing the people that you think are your friends? <sighs> Did somebody somebody said something about uh, that Sean lights up a room by leaving it? <laughs> Which I thought never a truer word has been spoken. Oh, poor Sean. He's wearing a uh, seamstress, seamstress of to the, the band. Year? Oh, seamstress of the band, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's I, I much prefer this than the uh, peacock shirt. Really? Yeah, I like it. Seamstress of the band. I like that. It's true. Yeah. And it's like a baseball shirt, and I like baseball shirts. It does have that baseball kind of yeah. sc- script on it. Yeah, and the design of the shirt very much. Do you think Sean is going to find it easy to get out of this pyramid no. scheme? <laughs> Although Michael seemed to get out of it pretty easily. Yeah. Yeah, Michael just basically sniffed it, decided yeah. that it was shit and took nothing more to do with it. But right. he did sign up, didn't he? Yeah. And he did sell it because we saw him going door to door. Yeah. And then just didn't. Right. Yeah. Like once he got rid of that first shipment, he's like, this is not what I signed up for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Realized, you know, and I think the whole Gemma stuff really traumatized Michael. Right. Because he felt bad because Michael has a soul, <laughs> unlike Sean. Our final storyline today. Could sell it to Carol. I'm sure she could use some makeup. I was going to say something so uncharitable. I'm scared to say it in case I forget to cut it out, so I won't. <laughs> Put in- how a bill becomes law. Oh, Our final storyline today is Team Simon. On Monday, Nick and Sam are at Roy's Rolls where Sam impresses Roy by being able to do sums. Nick suggests hooking up with Leanne and Simon later but Sam flinches at the name and says Simon is into things that he's too young for like setting people on fire. So they settle on a documentary about the solar system. Mm-hmm. Back home, Simon has left his phone out on the breakfast counter so as to run to silence a call from Jacob before Leanne sees it. He leaves the flat and catches up with Sam who's waiting for Nick at the worst passenger car in history while Nick picks up something from Roy's Rolls. Simon explains that the deal with the guys yesterday was just bants and best not to tell Nick. Also, Simon needs his bag back for work today and Sam nods in agreement but seems quite terrified of Simon now. Yes. Later, Nick is at work for 15 seconds when he gets a call from the school, which takes him to the verge of tears. Sam has freaked out in class and punched another kid or something. What? He needs to go and take care of this. Meanwhile, Jacob has caught up with Simon, who lies and says that the bag situation has been sorted. It better be, says Jacob, because I don't think I can protect you if it hasn't. Nick takes Sam to Roy's Rose again after school, and he tries to get to the bottom of Sam's rage, and when Sam flinches at Simon's name again, Nick thinks that's got something to do with missing his mum. Mm-hmm. And he dumps Sam on Roy and then fucks off to the factory to sign important documents when Jacob comes in without a mask and Sam sees Jacob and goes to hide in the toilet, taking a book about the solar system with him. Yeah. At the factory, Nick is welling up again as he signs important documents, wondering <laughs> what's up with Sam. Then he gets a call from Roy and the waterworks really start uh-huh. as he learns that Sam has locked himself in the lavvy. Timbot4000 says oh boo hoo. Indeed. Nick manages to get Sam to come out of the toilet 
when it becomes clear that Jacob is no longer in the cafe. Whatever it is, I won't be angry, says Nick, but I might get a little emotional. All right. And the whole Roy trying to get Sam to come out and knocking on the door and stuff. That was funny and also endearing. I'm so glad we're getting more and more Roy back in the show where he belongs. So Nick and Sam land in on Leanne, Nick with Simon's bag. Nick refuses to say anything until Simon arrives and as luck would have it, Simon promptly arrives. Nick and Leanne demand to know what's going on, but Simon says he doesn't have a scooby what either of them are talking about. So Nick, via Sam's intelligence on the matter, accuses Simon of trying to set another boy on fire in front of Sam. As if, says Simon. Yeah, says Leanne, Simon's not really the set another boy on fire type of person. <laughs> but Nick and Supergrass Sam are adamant, so Leanne uses the mum's secret weapon and demands that Simon look her in the eye and tell her that he didn't try to set a boy on fire as an offering to Sam. Simon calls it a misunderstanding, but a furious Nick screams uh, through the tears that Sam was fine until Simon tried to set that boy on fire. It's like Sam's a different kid now. Leanne didn't think this is helping, but Nick doesn't let it go. It was a prank, says Simon, and I'm not a child, so you can fuck off. I don't want you within an inch of Sam, says Nick, even when I, when I try and fob you off on him because he's doing my head in. Leanne tells Nick to leave, and the shock that she believes Simon is enough to bring Nick to tears. Right, right. I... Nick. <laughs> Buddy. Chum. Babe. What? <laughs> I mean, I get it. it uh, Nick is essentially a new parent. Nick has not been a parent for very long, except, you know, kind of vicariously to Oliver and Simon. Mm-hmm. You know, this is the first time he's had a kid. More than vicariously, really. Right. But Sam is a bit different because he's like actually his, which shouldn't be okay. different, but it does. Mm. It shouldn't, mm. but it does. Should it? No. It shouldn't? No. So I kind of get him going overboard, but the fact that he's like, he's never been like this before in his life. You didn't you know, know this kid. <laughs> you just met this kid. And the whole, he's changed. Has he? He's not going on about the solar system and doing sums in his head, I guess. Right, but, you know, Sam has run away before. Frequently. (laughs) This whole, you know, instead of saying, wow, this, what Sam is saying really isn't, really doesn't sound like Simon. Because Leanne's right. Mm -hmm. Leanne's right. Even though this did kind of happen, sort of. Simon is not the kid to go around and start lighting other kids on fire. No. And, you know, he was... He's many a thing, but not that. Yeah. And when he was with Jacob and everything, and Jacob was saying, oh, I'm going to get the petrol and stuff, Simon at first was like, what? Until he noticed that it was just a gag, that they were just going to pour water on it Mm -hmm. and pretend. Then he was fine with it. It was essentially a prank. It was a prank to terrify the kid into giving Jacob money, but it was... At its heart and soul, a prank. Right. I don't really approve of pranks, but there it is. Right. So. <laughs> this would be a bad thing to tell you that your shoes are untied then. I'm wearing slippers. Damn it. <laughs> Otherwise my ruse would have worked. <laughs> so, so Nick goes from believing a kid that he's just met. Essentially. 
you know, less than a year ago. Yep. And believing that kid over a kid that he's known essentially his whole life. Yep. Yeah. And instead of saying, wait, this doesn't sound like Simon. Simon must be in trouble. Let's go and see what's going on with Simon and try to help Simon. Yeah. No, it's barge in, yell and scream at Simon and act like, Simon, you don't care anything for Simon that all of your care and focus is on Sam. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was bullshit. Sam doesn't like this either. No. <laughs> Sam seems really uncomfortable with the way Nick is acting mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. So, I don't know. Later, Leon tries to interrogate Simon, but he's not in the mood. It was a prank that got out of hand. Sam was a pussy, and the pals uh, she's suddenly interested in have been dead supportive to him. He's had enough, and he leaves. And he bumps into Jacob outside the chippy. Jacob was having kittens at seeing Simon yet again without his bag, but Simon insists that he's cool for the next job. Then they have some banter about Leanne being a pain in the arse and Simon soon being able to afford his own place with chicks and everything. Ugh. When he gets home, Leanne confronts him. She's been through his personal property and has found all his drug paraphernalia. He prese- And drugs. Yeah. <laughs> Not just paraphernalia, and drugs. drugs. He protests for a bit, but then admits it. Enough of the, the melodrama. He says he has to deal drugs because someone has to step up. You don't put food on the table with tears and feathers. He's not wrong. He's not wrong. She's ashamed of him. Can't look at him. Well, you just stand there being ashamed while you eat the food that I buy and live under the roof I pay rent for. Because while you were sitting on the sofa, you forgot to notice how far we were sinking. He tells her it's too late for him to back out. He's in too deep. And he grabs his stuff and leaves. So I guess Nick's not contributing anything to the upkeep of this house anymore. Yeah, I don't. Well, Leanne keeps insisting that she doesn't need Nick's money. When she really does need Nick's money. And this place is in Nick's name. Right. What's going on here? Mm-hmm. When he gets home, Leanne pounces like a puma. Telling him that this has to stop or she's going to the police. You don't get it, he says. You go to the police, I become a grass and you lose another son. On Wednesday, Leanne has taken her Nick pills and is weeping as she listens to Oliver's music box and stares at a photo of Oliver and Simon. Then she gets a call from Toya, but dings it. Later, Toya, who we forget actually works at the factory, is at the factory. Nick explains to her that there are issues with Simon that he can't face right now because of Sam, so Toya says that she'll see what she can do. So she goes round to see Leanne, who explains that Sam said that Simon locked some kid in the boot of a car and threatened to set him on fire. Bit dark, says Toya. Leanne explains that she wants to believe Simon but there's lots of other stuff going on and it's all getting out of control. Toya says Leanne needs to act or it'll be Simon is doing armed robberies next or Simon is dealing drugs next. And this obviously touches a nerve. Are you saying I'm a bad parent? Toya reacts. Toya rejects the leap but Leanne's not for listening. Get out, she orders after she criticises Toya for not having kids except that one that she tried to steal. Later, Simon gets home and he's brought Jacob this time. And they have a chippy tea in the living room and a carry-out. Jacob seems quite taken with Leanne, who decides to go to bed. I definitely would, says Jacob. Dude, weak, says Simon. Jacob seems to have a thing for the older ladies. Mm-hmm. For the older to him, ladies. <sighs> he likes the experienced ones. Oh. On Friday, Jacob is counting his drug money at the breakfast table when a bejammied Leanne comes in. Don't worry, she's not a grass, says Simon. Leanne isn't impressed and tells him to get that money out of the flat. Shut it, love, says Jacob, and let me finish. And he gives her some cash for messages after pointing out that there's fuck all in their fridge. Realising that she's been outplayed by a sharper wit, Leanne retreats back to her bedroom. 
Simon is quite this. uncomfortable through this, but says nothing. I hate this. I hate this whole thing. I know you like it, but I hate it. I, I like it because it is, I think it's doing what it's meant to do. It's really unsettling to watch. And it is kind of home invasion stuff. Yeah. That Leanne's kind of sanctuary is no longer her sanctuary. Jacob's a kid. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have a weapon on him. He's a kid. Leanne, grab that little asshole by the ear and drag him out of the house. Your house. Mm-hmm. He's a kid. He doesn't have a weapon on him. Well, not that we know of. I, I would imagine he has like a knife or something. I doubt it because you we haven't it? seen him use a no. knife on anybody. He looks the sort of person who would carry a knife. And he also, you know, if you're quick enough, you just grab a little asshole by the ear and drag him out by his ear, kick him to the curb, say, fuck off, you bratty little twit. Get the fuck out of here. That's it. I don't think that's it at all. I think that just well, makes no, matters worse. That's, well, it would make... You would think maybe it would make matters worse, but we still haven't met the big bad of this storyline, which mm-hmm. is kind of frustrating to me that we still haven't met the big bad. Right. We know the big bad is coming. We still haven't met the big bad. Just like Sean hasn't met the big bad of his storyline. Jacob. Hmm. Jacob cannot be very high on the totem pole with the big bad if if i know drug dealers which i think i do if, if there's one person <laughs> around this table who knows drug dealers if breaking bad has taught me anything uh-huh. jacob is pretty far down on the totem pole so if leanne kicks him out and says nope that's it and he goes whining to his boss oh this lady kick me out and everything the big bad's gonna say you know what the simon kid liability mom's involved now not worth the money he's bringing in Uh, forget it and just shut up you messed this up not a big deal you know why would a big bad really care about two freaking low-level teenage drug dealers because when he's probably he, got lots and lots of money and lots and lots of people on the street working it, them. It, if Breaking Bad has taught us anything, you have to make an example of these people. If somebody screws you over, then you deal with it. You don't let it go, otherwise somebody else is going to screw you over. Right, but is it really screwing over for Leanne to kick this little twit out of her house? Well, money is owed. There's a debt to be repaid. So Jacob says... Jacob has claimed that there's a debt that needs to be repaid for the bike and all this other stuff. We don't necessarily know that that's true. Mm. This this all kind of belongs at the end of the story. Uh, I just I hate I hate Jacob in the house. I just I hate it. Yeah, I, I hate it as well. Wa- I can't I watch think, it. I, think I don't think to. it's with the money successfully counted. Think, uh, I guess maybe I'm pushing for the old Leanne to come back because the old Leanne wouldn't put up with this. I don't think any Battersby would put up with this shit. Well. Let's see how Carla deals with that in a little bit, shall we? With the money successfully counted, Jacob and Simon move on to Simon's <clears throat> console and decide on Roy's for Brecky. Leanne reminds Simon that he has college, which Jacob scoffs at. Amy's mum says Leanne, but Jacob points out that, that she's not and her kid died. She screams at him to get out and knocks over and breaks the music box in the process. Jacob chuckles and leaves and Simon scolds his mum for being an embarrassment and without Jacob's money they can't afford the rent. 
At number one, Peter has moved on to a zebra jigsaw while wearing a shawl. Carla mentions that Roy saw him having a walk earlier in the morning and Peter says that he couldn't sleep. She checks that uh, he's not hung up about that Lucas thing, but all of that seems to be in the past now. Still, Carla looks a bit pensive about the whole going for a walk deal. Back at Leanne's flat, what's happened to you, Leanne asks. He says his brother's dead, his dad's not far behind and his mum's a wreck. Hasn't had a shower and is crying over a broken toy. She says that she's grieving. Yeah, well, so am I, says Simon. And it seems like she wasn't aware that Oliver's death affected anyone else but her. He says that he doesn't have a choice. He has to go to work and he leaves. And she lets him and then says, no. Carla complains about Peter's deal to Nick at the factory later. And it turns out that her main concern here is that he's going off at 5am to get wellied on the booze. Nick's advice is to talk to him and find out. Then he sheds a little tear. <laughs> Still not showered, Leanne goes round to see Peter but gets Carla, who was at the factory a minute ago. Leanne starts blubbering on the door, uh, demanding to see Peter because Simon has both her responsibilities. And, Carla and she's not wrong. Ushers her to come inside. Not wrong. No, but Peter's going to deal with anything right now. Leanne's going to deal with anything right now. They're mm. both just really fragile people at the moment, but that doesn't negate the fact that Simon is their responsibility. True. Leanne gives a brief PowerPoint presentation of the situation with Simon and hands out stress-relieving toys at the end. She needs Peter involved. Maybe he can sort all this out, scare Jacob off. And Carla has to explain how ill Peter has been and still is and how he can't know about any of this. Any of what? asks Peter, who suddenly appears in the room. Isn't it weird that when Peter's in the house, he can barely walk, but apparently he's been going out walking at 5am. <laughs> Carla thinks of a lie on the spot. Simon's failing his A-levels at college and reluctantly Leanne goes along with it. Is that all? asks Peter. For a minute there I thought you were going to tell me that you'd fallen in with a bad crowd, was selling drugs from the chippy and had indirectly been responsible for breaking Oliver's music box. I'm going off to bed, he says. Leanne's not impressed and goes to leave but Carla promises to help so long as Peter is kept out of this. They should speak to Tracy. Seriously? She, she has, has killed, killed and she will kill she again. Will kill again. Later, Peter is thinking about going for a walk to see Simon, but he stumbles and falls into his chair. Carla's worried that he's been drinking, and she needs to know if he has, but he says that he hasn't. He's been lying awake doing zebra jigsaws to take his mind off it. He needs to be trusted. He doesn't need any more stress. He's been lying awake in bed and... and yeah. Yeah. Carla goes to doing the, the jigsaw puzzles in bed. That would be silly. That is a vital... Uh, Unless it's like Queen's Gambit and like he's doing it on the ceiling in his mind. Who knows? Maybe he is. <laughs> Carla goes to the chippy and sees Jacob. She introduces herself as Simon's evil stepmom. She's seen wannabe gangsters like Jacob before, all mouth and no trousers. Now back the fuck away from Simon or you'll regret it. Jacob basically tells her to go fuck herself. This is way bigger than Simon or her. And if she says anything to anyone, this will end very badly for Simon. Carla- and again, it's just Jacob saying this to people. Nothing so far has proven to back that up so you just have this mouthy teenager saying oh this is going to be bad for you and now one of these adults is saying yeah well fucking prove it then if it's going to be so bad oh that's a very dangerous uh it's just a kid to call it's just a kid i said i've said worse to low-level drug dealers than that I think you're missing the basic premise here that teenagers scare the shit out of everybody. Teenagers. There's even a song about it. <laughs> so, Carla isn't used to this sort of bravado and slinks off. Jacob tells Simon to get his mum's mouth shut up or he'll have to do it. And after that business, Carla goes home to find yes. Peter ready Jacob to... Jacob also wants to do Carla as well as Leanne. 
a yeah. little look up and down. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's like, for you, doll, anything. You got a minute? For you, doll, <laughs> I got five. Carla goes home to find Peter ready to go out and speak to Simon, and he interprets Carla's reluctance to let him do that as a concern that he's going to the offy. She promises that isn't the case, but he's only going to get better if he starts looking out for himself. She says that she's already seen Simon and he's fine. What would I do without you, he asks. Everything you currently do, but not in secret, she says. At the flat, Simon gets home and gives Leanna bollocking about Carla threatening Jacob. You have no idea what you're dealing with, says uh, Simon. And Neither then does some, he! Then there's a knock at the door. He hasn't met the big Jacob. bad either. Well, we don't know that, but he knows he knows the, the severity of the situation better than Carla or Leanne does, but surely. But again, he's taking he's involved it, in it. Right, but he's taking it on Jacob's word. He's not met the big bad either. Jacob rolls another fatty and is courteous enough to offer Leanne a dabble. Simon seems to think that this yeah, is hilarious. Yeah, that kid still doesn't know how to roll a joint. And doesn't say anything when Jacob then goes through Leanne's CD collection, pointing out Mamma Mia, techno classics, and then Simon's grin drops when he lands on a kiddie CD. Jacob starts singing the wheels on the bus and Leanne grabs a rolling pin and tells Jacob to fuck off out of her house. But Jacob calls her bluff. There's nothing she can do. He's not going anywhere. Simon apologises for her behaviour. And when Jacob goes to spark up, she slaps it out of his face and says, you just wait till Peter gets better, then you'll be sorry. Mm, That wasn't a good line. No. Just you wait until his alcoholic father who's on death's door gets better. If he gets better, then you'll know all about it. Right. Leanne gets a text and storms out of the flat, letting Jacob get his groove on with his doobie at last. Outside, Leanne meets Carla who explains her running with Jacob and reckons the best course of action here is either to go straight to the police together or get Craig to have a word. Right, who is a policeman. Kind (laughs) of. He's a policeman, so that's basically the same thing, right? (laughs) Right? But still, Carla's like, yeah, we need to go to the cops. Carla claims that she's already dealt with the situation. She threatened Jacob with the police and he's already backed off. Carla looks suspicious, but lets it go. Let me know if he comes back. What? You said that Carla says she's already taken care of the situation, that Carla told uh, him that he was going to call the cops. But it's Leanne who says this so that Carla doesn't come up to the flat and see Jacob sitting there smoking a doobie. Let me know if he comes back, she says. And Leanne heaves a sigh at the thought of going back to the flat. Carla gets home and Peter is still doing his fucking jigsaw. She goes to have a bath and he thanks her for everything that she does for him, especially speaking with Simon. Carla gulps so loudly that ornaments fall from the cabinets and off she goes to have her bath. Back at the flat, Jacob and Simon are playing more console and it looks like Jacob has got a rock bun on the couch. What twat. Back at number one, Peter comes in from a walk or a vape, staggers again, bumps into the cabinet and he looks up to judge if he's disturbed anyone and then as quietly as he can, he slowly climbs the stairs. And that's how we end this week's episodes. I think we're supposed to wonder if he's had a drink or not. He hasn't. I don't think he has either. Yeah, I liked this far more than you did. Yeah, I don't like it I thought it was effective. And again, you know, like with Yasmin, Leanne's not going to get back to her badass self right away. No. It does feel like it's, I don't know. I just, Simon is the only kid she has left. Mm -hmm. And she's trying to protect him by not going to the police because she doesn't want him getting thrown in jail. That's the whole thing that made her put the rolling pin down. Mm-hmm. And not batter Jacob over the head with it, yep. which I really wish he had done because that just would have been fun. 
<laughs> it's what I wanted to do to the kid. I think he is doing the art for being a, a kid and being portrayed, I guess, as a teenager, maybe in his early 20s. I think he does a really good job at menace. I think he has a menacing presence. He's, um, eh. it's, it's working for me. It's not working for me. <gasps> I don't hate the storyline of Simon getting into drug dealing and stuff because of everything going on with his mum and everything. I don't mind Simon falling into a life of drugs. No, I think I was 80% behind that at one point. Yeah, it, it, it feels like it feels like a believable progression. And, you know, a lot of kids, this is what happens is that their family life kind of falls apart. Mm-hmm. They they get responsibilities heaped on them that at their age they aren't able to handle right. either physically or emotionally, you know. Mm-hmm. And and this is what happens. And they're preyed upon by by older people who... <sighs> I just, it seems odd to me that Dev would would not be aware that his chippy is being used to deal drugs. It seems like Dev is so anal retentive that he would find out about something like this really quick. And it also seems kind of odd because he had just started this whole delivery service of the chippy. Mm -hmm. This is brand new. So it seems like this happened really quick. The whole, oh, we can use the chippy to deal drugs now that doesn't seem it doesn't seem hugely believable that some drug kingpin found out that dev <laughs> has started a delivery service from his chippy and that there are kids who because jacob seems like he's worked for this big bad for a while now mm-hmm. longer than the whole delivery service right and the way Jacob acts like, you know, he's an expert at the chippy and at the delivery service when the delivery service is brand new. Well, uh, how, how do you not be an expert at delivery? Well, no, the way he's like, well, you don't know the ropes the way I do, kid. You know, in the beginning when he was acting like he was the expert of the chippy. Well, that was around about the ways to make extra money. I don't know. I... There are aspects of the storyline that I like and there are aspects of the storyline that I don't. See, I really don't like this whole home invasion thing with Leanne. I just, I don't, I don't like it because it feels like it's, it feels like it's, it's forcing, because it, for me, it just doesn't seem wholly believable that, that Jacob would take a chance that Leanne is just going to roll over and just let him come into her house and everything and but that is kind of the whole weight of the threat is that if he's willing to do that then what is he willing to do to maintain that it means that there's some kind of weight to the threat i think if, he, if he's having the the gall to be in there the whole or stupidity the whole being well yeah but do you take that risk the whole being in the flat thing i think is the is the element of it that makes this more than just a regular somebody's fallen in with the wrong crowd kind of thing. You know, when Simon had his gang, the gang kind of lo- loitered about on the streets, but mm-hmm. they didn't really, they pushed Audrey, okay. They didn't really do very much in terms of... They didn't just of, push Audrey, they robbed Audrey. Well, but the, but this brings it literally and 
metaphorically right into your into your home. This mm-hmm. is the kind of there's no escape from it, and that's what I really like about it. I, I hate watching it like I hated the movie Strangers. Mm-hmm. It was just a horrible movie, but mm-hmm. it was really really effective for what it did at making you uh, unsettled and mm-hmm. nervous and. Mm-hmm. And I kind of feel that same way about this. I feel that kind of Leanne has lost control of the Simon to such an extent that she's lost control of the the house. She's not in charge of that situation anymore. She's nowhere near being in charge of that situation. She hasn't anymore. tried to, you know, and she and, hasn't tried. And that that's what bugs me is that besides the whole rolling pin thing, she doesn't try to take responsibility of the situation her son back talks her and she just walks away when last week when he back talked her she punched him in the face Mm -hmm. is it because she feels guilt about punching him in the face and putting him in this situation to begin with that she's kind of cowed what's going on in in her head i guess that's you know the thing that kind of frustrates me is that i don't know because there should be some natural progression to a drug stealing dealing storyline that I don't feel like we've really gotten. You know, I feel like in order for Jacob's threats to feel real, we have to see the big bad. We have to see something happen to a kid under the big bad more than just getting beat up and stuck in a trunk. You know what I'm saying? Well, you it's have like limits. going from season one of Breaking Bad right to season five, you know. You have to acknowledge that there's things that you can do on Breaking Bad that you can't do on Coronation Street. That's true. In terms of money and also in terms of the time of day that it's getting yeah, shown at. And, and the violence and, so and everything. You can't have somebody getting their nipples uh, slashed off. Or no. even that the, the insinuation of it. Not that that happened in Breaking Bad, and I don't know why I said that. But... Um, it comes down to, I think, the believability that how... Because they keep on saying it, that they're in... This is more than you think it is. Right. We're in really deep. But you're not. But how do you know that they're not? You don't know what's going on. We don't know what's going on. We have we have Simon's word for it. Right, but we also have Simon's... Yeah, and that's all that we have to hang on this, is Simon's word. We have no idea about... And, I mean... For him, it's just, I'm in too deep as far as owing these people money. But that doesn't make sense because he owes them money, but he's also holding it over Leanne's head that she, he's paying all the bills. It's not really anything I'm making a lot of money. Owing that money anymore. I don't think it's got anything to do with that well, because now he's involved in it. That's all, that's all that he has said is that, you know, I owe all this money now. And also, last week, remember, just last week, he said to Jacob... That's it. I'm not going to do this anymore. And then his mom clocks him and, they, and then he pulls a Gary and says, well, now that somebody was mean to me, I'm going to be a bad guy now. That just happened. So obviously it's not that it's less of a big deal than what we're made to try to believe this week. No, no things can escalate quickly. And... you know, And I quite like the fact that we don't get to see the bad guy yet. It's like Jaws. You... you the monster isn't as scary once you meet him. The monster is scary, just the threat of it. No, because it makes it seem like there isn't a big bad. We, and we've heard him over the phone once to Jacob, where he kind of threatens Jacob, like, oh, you got to get the Simon kid back on track, sort of. You know, that's it. 
And I don't know. I think you need to establish the, the, the hierarchy below before you, you can't bring the boss in too early. It just, the threat level, the threat level that we've seen doesn't seem to, doesn't, doesn't seem to explain the way two very tough women who have dealt with criminals before to just kind of roll over and say, oh, no, it's fine. The fact that Leanne doesn't go to the police right away, you know, even though when, when she says to Simon, I'm going to call the police and Simon's like, no, 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 it's, it's really bad. It's just, it's just the kids where it's like, it's fine. It's fine. It's really bad. But you know what? We go to the police. They'll fix it. It'll be their problem. You, you go to jail. You lose your, your other son. The way things are going, she's already lost him in many ways. <laughs> so fuck him. You can go to prison then. If it's like, if it's, if it's, you know, if it's like low level stuff, as but, opposed to. But they're continually telling you that it's not low level stuff. But it is. The show's telling you every time this is bad. This is this deep. Is the, what is the first rule of writing? What is the first rule of fiction writing? There is no rules is the first rule. No. Yes. Show, don't tell. They keep telling us things without showing us proof. And that's my problem. The show of it is, is Jacob standing up to them and Jacob not kowtowing to Leanne or Carla. Braddy. And then Carla and, and Leanne reacting in the way that they're reacting. What's that not, not showing That's you? not showing me anything because bratty teenagers pull this shit all the time and they're not scary. Just because you're not scared of teenagers, I think you're putting far too much weight into this. No, because Carla shouldn't be afraid. Carla initially isn't afraid until Jacob... But she is. She's so what's not. that telling you? But she has, because she walked away from it. Right, right. She walks away when he says, you don't understand how big this is. That shouldn't be enough to scare Carla away. It's not scary. Your moment of the week? <laughs> you know what? You know what? I think I think my moment of the week is? I think it may be Paul and Daniel having a cup of tea. Oh. And the sarcasm banter. I think I might actually want to give it to Daniel. That's not going to happen. Oh. <laughs> well, I have a breath in my body. Well, it was either that or chicken dinner, and we can't give it we to can't chicken give dinner. It to chicken dinner. You can't give it to anything Alahan adjacent. I liked the bit where Simon does explain to Leanne that he's grieving too, and I felt that it probably was something that she hasn't heard or uh, thought of. And I, I felt like it was something that needed to be said. You know what? Out of, out of, out of that whole storyline that I hate, that was a bit that I, I didn't, I didn't hate because you're right. Nobody has said, everybody has danced around this fact with Leanne, but nobody has said to her point blank. Right. Look, I'm grieving too. Mm-hmm. And Simon point blank saying, look, my dad is dying. My brother is dead. You've been just sitting on the couch this whole time. I'm just a kid. Mm-hmm. I'm grieving too. Yeah, I thought that was excellent. Yeah, 
that that was that was really well done and everything and and it kind of it was this one little bubble in the storyline that that felt the most real to me yeah yeah all right that's our moment of the week moment of the week our boring moment of the week daisy looking at menus spreadsheets <laughs> you love spreadsheets yeah but they're boring you love them. I've They're your playing, favorite thing to do. Uh, 90 hours you make of spreadsheets dice and for sphere. fun. I've got so many spreadsheets on the go right now that are for fun. Yeah. But they're boring. <laughs> and I don't want to see it in Coronation Street. You make Street. spreadsheets you for stay fun. Away. You stay away from <laughs> my spreadsheets, Tyrone and Kev, if that is your real name. That's my boring moment of the week. Uh, and it's also, maybe it's my incredulous moment of the week. That I'm supposed to think that <laughs> Kev, Kev knows how to make a spreadsheet. Tyrone yeah. anything, and Tyrone has learned enough that he can he can show Alina on her tiny little laptop. All right, fine, fine. Spreadsheets are boring moment of the week. <laughs> that was kind of a heated debate, there, wasn't it? I got a little heated. Yeah, we're, we're both a little hot and bothered now. If you've ever forgotten to update the calendar on your fridge door, <laughs> it's March. Writing to confirm that you've got the message, we are the talk of the street at gmail.com, which is also our address on Skype for voicemail. And on PayPal, if you want to chuck a couple of bucks into a virtual tip jar, we are at Quarry Podcast on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Please check out our merch store and YouTube channel, links to which you can find on our Twitter bio or on the other stuff page of the talk of the street.podbean.com. And if you're so inclined, please leave a rating and a review on the iTunes or your podcast provider of choice. Thanks for making it to the end of another episode, and we will be back next week with more. A talk of the street. Talk of the street. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Cheerio. <laughs>